Hey folks, uh, before I get out of the way and listen to you listen to our podcast today, can you do me a favor? Can you head on over to the rebel.media slash shows and become a premium subscriber? It's uh, eight bucks a month or 80 bucks a year, but if you use the coupon code podcast, you get a healthy discount. So just go over there and do that. And without further ado, here's the show. Tonight, a domestic terrorist group called Antifa sends a journalist to the hospital with a brain hemorrhage. Why is the media so silent? It's July 2nd, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Look at this, it's from the weekend. It's a reporter in Portland, Oregon, named Andy No. He has written for various prestigious publications, including for the Wall Street Journal. He's also an editor with a new online magazine called Quillette. I've had a chance to talk with Andy a few times. Very thoughtful guy, a bit shy actually, a dissident in his own quiet way. He's from Vietnam, he's, he's gay. He's the type of journalist that the left would expect, even demand, that he be a woke left-wing identity politics grievance monger, but he's not. I don't think I'd call him an outright conservative, but I'd call him a skeptic, which is a form of conservatism, don't you think? And look at him getting beaten to a pulp on the city streets of Portland by thugs, some wearing masks, some not, just brazen. Police there, but they don't care. No arrests were made. It's gang violence. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. They're chasing him. Gang violence, but a very specific gang. It's not a drug gang or a Hell's Angels gang, it, though I'm sure they do all manner of petty crimes too. It's a political gang. They call themselves Antifa, which is short for anti-fascist, but that's like Orwell calling the Ministry of War the Ministry of Peace. They're not anti-fascist. They're fascist. I think this is the most Orwellian photo I've ever seen in my whole life. Those are not cops or anything in the masks. Those, that's from an Antifa riot in California a couple years back. Do you see those signs? Those signs that say, no hate. Those, those obviously aren't National Guard or police. That is a gang. They have a standard issue gang fighting equipment. They have shields. Those are actual shields. Put the first one up again. Actual shields that they block. Look at those. And... And look, at they have literally have written in friendly, colorful, what is that, like a kitty cat on one of them? No hate. They smash people with those no hate shields. While they say no hate on them, that's like, that's like shooting someone with a gun that says, ban guns on it or something, which goes to a key point here. Antifa isn't just a group of violent thugs who often wear masks. They're a political group, a street gang, at the service of Democrats in the United States and liberals and New Democrats and Greens here in Canada. They're terrorists in that way. They deploy violence in support of a political goal. That's absolutely the definition of a terrorist group, by the way. They have a message, hate the right, scare people, make chaos seem the norm. They absolutely operate with the support of left-wing politicians, including police chiefs. Here they are a couple years back rioting at Berkeley, which was home to the free speech movement in the 60s and 70s, the police there were told to stand down, to let Antifa rioters send a message to 
if you remember, that was Milo Yiannopoulos and campus Republicans who had a meeting there. Berkeley means free speech, but not for the wrong people. Uh, they don't just write on campuses. Here they are at the private residence of Tucker Carlson, the Fox News TV host at his home. They surrounded his home when he wasn't at home. But his wife and kids were at home, and they came right up to the front door and hit it so hard the door cracked. That's Antifa. I've, I've never heard of the Hell's Angels going to your house and doing that to you unless maybe you owed them a gambling debt or a drug debt. The Hell's Angels, most gangs, they don't have that kind of brazen approach. They'd be met with a police SWAT team if they tried that. You send 100 gang members, the Bloods, the Crips, the Hell's Angels, whatever, um, you send them into, into a campus, it would be the biggest police response in a generation. But Antifa, no problem. It's what the left does when they lose power legitimately. Antifa is not normal. It's not organic. The Bloods and the Crips are actually organic. They're, they're economic organizations. They traffic guns and drugs and prostitutions. They control geography. And in their own sick way, unfortunately, they fill a need for fraternal friendship in a society where a lot of fathers are just missing or in jail. The Hells Angels, they're about money and power. They have a reason d'etre, even if we disagree with it. But Antifa? It wouldn't exist on its own. It doesn't make money. They don't engage in commerce, really. They're completely funded. They're, they're a rent-a-mob, literally. It, they're a shock troop team. They're one standard deviation more radical than, say, you know, the Women's March in Washington, D.C. That's also funded. I don't know if you know that the Women's March was funded with almost a quarter of a billion dollars um, from George Soros. Same with Antifa. They get money from dark political funders like Soros. There would be no market for that normally. So that's Antifa. And on the weekend, they beat a reporter, Andy No, so badly that he had to go to the hospital for 30 hours with a brain hemorrhage. Here he is on TV explaining things a bit. You can still see that he's not himself. I'm suddenly bashed on the back of my head from behind. And from there, I've, I'm a very passive person. I've never been in a fight. It took me a few seconds to realize that I was actually even hitting my head. When I realized what was happening, it was too late. Um, a mob of people, all dressed in black and wearing masks, started beating me with their fists. And some of them used objects to hit me. Now, if that were a reporter from CNN or the New York Times who had been beat up by a right-wing group, or God forbid, an alt-right group linked with racism. It would be the top story for the whole country, for the media party for a weekend. Add in the fact that Andy No is, is Vietnamese and, and gay, that's just the perfect storm, except for the fact that he's against Antifa and they're against him. He exposes them. So other than a few perfunctory news appearances and, and going on Tucker Carlson's own show, that's about it. I didn't see any press releases from the ACLU about protecting journalists and free speech. When CNN's prima donna, Jim Acosta, had his privileges taken away for what, was it 24 hours at the White House? Because he grabbed a microphone out of an intern's hand. It was a five alarm fire for the media party. Oh my God, the First Amendment's under attack. Trump's bringing in McCarthyism. An actual journalist, though, is actually beat up for journalisming. And the media party, the press gallery, the prestigious Columbia School of Journalism, Reporters Without Borders, Pan International, all the groups on the left are silent. Take a look just one more time.
Well, mainly because Andy Ngo is one of the few journalists to accurately report on Antifa itself. So it's not just that they hate him because he's on the right, or at least on the left. It's that he exposes them again and again. Here's his Twitter feed. Now, he writes for prestigious publications, too, but also online, just on Twitter. Just little cell phone videos that he posts, like last year when he showed street riots. Take a look at this. I think we did a show on this when it happened. downtown Portland, Oregon. Who else reported on that riot? Not CNN, but, you know, not the CBC up here, of course, but boy, did we get a lot of coverage of any right-winger anywhere who chanted, lock her up to Hillary Clinton. And one of the most interesting things about Andy No is that he's recently debunked hate crimes hoaxes. And what I mean by that is whenever someone claims to have been attacked um, for racial or other reasons, Andy does something that really should have earned him a Pulitzer Prize. I think he meticulously follows up on breathless first reports of hate crimes, transgender people saying they were hate-crimed, black people, gay people, Jewish people, every minority who cries wolf. Well, Andy calmly follows up weeks or months later and says, hey, whatever happened to that? And in a staggering number of cases, it turns out to have been a hoax. It was either not hate-motivated at all, it was just a regular crime, that the media or the victim politicized, or in a terrible number of cases, the whole thing was a setup. The whole thing was set up as political theater, just like that actor, Jussie Smollett, who said that a couple of white guys wearing Trump hats in Chicago accosted him outside a Subway Sandwiches restaurant at like 2 or 3 a.m. and had a noose with them and bleach and put the noose around his neck and bleached them. The whole thing was so obviously made up and you know, one detail I love you. He never dropped the sandwich, though. We all heard about that hoax, but Andy No has a dozen hoaxes he's exposed. So great journalism, and you can see why the left hate him. And fair enough, but the street gangs of the left, well, they are ready to censor him in real life if they can't censor him in journalism, right? So, so criminals are going to be criminals. What about the police? Where are they? Well, that's the thing. Portland is actually the most perfectly liberal city in America. It's so woke. It's actually the whitest big city in America, uh, statistically speaking. Nothing against that, but as some sort of weird penance for that, I think. Their liberals have turned the whole place into a sanctuary city for any of the left's terrible ideas. It's like that crazy song from Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones 50 years ago. I don't know if you remember that song. It was written in the upheaval of 1968. The song was called Sympathy for the Devil. There's just that one line, just as every cop is a criminal and all the sinner saints as heads as tails just call me Lucifer because I'm in need of some restraint. I don't know if you know that song, Sympathy for the Devil. So that was the Rolling Stones' take on the upside-down world of the 1960s. It was a thought experiment, that song, in insanity and revolution where cops are criminals. But that's Portland today. The cops are treated like criminals 
and the criminals are treated like saints. And so it is the policy of the city of Portland expressed by the mayor and by, as given effect by the police chief that criminals will not be charged. The sinners are saints, as Mick Jagger told us. It's terrible. Should be the safest city in America. It's not. It's a, it's a no-go zone. In fact, no one wants to be a cop there. They can't fill the police force. Neighboring police forces don't like to help Portland with emergencies because they, they know that they will have no political support when it comes to violence. The mayor loves that. He boasts about that. Hey, did you ever see that great TV show about Portland called Portlandia? It's the closest thing to a conservative comedy show as you get on TV. It's, it's written by two liberals. But Portland is so over the top, they make fun of it because it's just too much in Portland. Can I show you a one-minute clip from Portlandia? This is spot on. It's Portland. This bike courier guy, I think that's pretty much the mayor today. Take a look. Hold up. I'm stopping. I'm stopped. That means I'm stopped. Pull your mirrors in. Go down. Let me go. Oh, lofts. Why? Watch out. Hey, bike lane. Bike lane. Bicycle rights. Go vegan. Move, 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 move. Gotta move over a little bit. A better place you can be. Move, move. Go. Ow. Bicycle rights. Is anyone home? Stuart. Stu? You home? Please don't be working at the co-op. Please. Oh, that last five seconds is so, so good. I mean, it's funny, but it's funny because you know it is true. Now imagine that guy being mayor. Uh, well, the attacking of Andy No in uh, broad daylight with police right there, right outside various office buildings of the police and the courts is stunning to you and me, but it's, it's normal in Portland now. But at least conservative Twitter made enough of a fuss about it over the weekend. The mayor felt compelled to say after the fact that he might have the police look into things. I'm going to look into things. <laughs> yeah, what a joke. His police were right there. They were feet away. They didn't miss it. It wasn't an oversight or a surprise. It was an instruction from the mayor's police chief with the approval of the mayor to let Antifa do whatever they want, as usual. That's what a sanctuary city is. What a joke. But I think the worst, the worst, are the journalists on the left who celebrated Andy No being beaten. He's gay, he's a person of color, he's an immigrant, as they would normally say, but he's off-brand, you see, so he's left the team, so he has to be devoured. Here's one example. This is a officially verified journalist who says, I think this will calm everyone down if I clarify Andy No was cruising for a bruising, so to speak. Doesn't make it right, but a slice of that GoFundMe scratch might make me sing another tune. Andy, get at me. Oh. Well, there was a GoFundMe to raise funds for his medical care and for security next time. I don't know why Andy's employer, Quillette, didn't give him security in advance, but maybe they don't have as much experience 
being attacked, as our journalists do. We've had our people roughed up all over the place. Remember this thug here, Dion Buse? We've <laughs> this in Toronto hitting Lauren Southern. We spend tens of thousands of dollars on security every year and tens of thousands suing those who assault us. We chase that thug, Dion Buse. There's a Terry Guillon from the Prime Minister's office. Um, yeah, and there's uh, the Radisson Hotel. These people attack our reporters all the time. We're used to it. But it's pretty much unanimous on Twitter. Liberal journalists, here's another one. Uh, liberal journalists were glad that Andy No was hit. It's like journalists who were glad that Tommy Robinson was put in prison. They might not like to see how the eggs are cracked, but they like the omelet, don't they? We have Antifa in Canada, too. They attack us. They attack the Toronto Sun. They attack anyone they hate and like in the U.S., they generally act with impunity. It's not just Antifa, by the way. Do you remember five years ago there was a massive riot by Muslim extremists on the street in Calgary against a Jewish family right outside City Hall, right outside City Hall, sending the family to the hospital. The mayor, Nahid Nenshi, didn't say a public word about it. He's not going to call off his street thugs. It's an American story, the story of Andy No, but it's our story in Canada, too. It's a story of the United Kingdom as well. It's a story about the thugs on the left who try to achieve through violence what they can't achieve through persuasion. It's so weird that our mainstream media, which pretends to be against hate and against violence and against censorship, well, they really don't give a damn when it's someone on the left attacking on someone on the right, do they? Stay with us for more on this. And joining us now live via Skype from Portland, Oregon, is our friend Kean Bexty. Kean, you're literally just landed at the airport. You're off to find the mayor. Uh, I said, let's just hop on Skype. You're actually in your car. You pulled over just for safety's sake. Tell me uh, what's going on in Portland. I know you just arrived, but you've been talking to Andy No, and you've been studying the case. What do you hope to achieve in the next day or two? Well, I want to clarify a few things. I want to clarify if there was, in fact, an order sent from the mayor's office to the Portland police to figure out if there was, in fact, an order um, demanding that they stay out of any skirmishes between Antifa and any right-wing journalists or journalists at all. Um, I want to know if Ted Wheeler, the mayor, feels accountable for what happened, feels responsible for what happened. Uh, there was a lynching of a gay Vietnamese man in Portland, Oregon last week. And if it, if it was a left-wing journalist, the entire uh, USA would be up in arms about what happened. But for some reason, it only seems to be the conservatives on Twitter who are upset, uh, which I think is crazy. So I want to know if the mayor uh, feels responsible about this. And lastly, and most importantly, I want to know if he condemns Antifa. It's a very simple thing for him to say. I want him to say, I condemn Antifa. They are domestic terrorists. I don't expect him to say they're domestic terrorists. A condemnation is enough for me. Uh, but I'm going to see if I can get that out of them here. You know, that sounds like a great project. I have one more question for you. I know you've got to run because uh, I don't want to slow you down here. Um, I understand that other reporters in Oregon look down at Andy No, even though he's published in very prestigious places. I mentioned earlier the Wall Street Journal, what I think is the most prestigious American publication, even ahead of the New York Times. Uh, but I saw, for example, the Oregonian and other papers, they're either factually misrepresenting what happened. They say, 
Andy claimed he was attacked when clearly the video footage shows he was. And they're saying he was cruising for a bruising, said one journalist. A lot of them said he was asking for it. That's like telling a rape victim she was wearing too attractive a skirt or something. Do you think that you'll be able to press any other Portland journalists on why they're fine having one of their colleagues be lynched just because of his politics? It's, I suppose that's less important than going after the mayor or the police, but it still sticks in my crawl. So they're they're a little bit confused, I think. They're not usually faced with this scenario. It's either a white, a white right-wing journalist gets assaulted and then they can just absolutely pile on top of them. But now it's there's a bit of an intersectional issue that they have, right? Like the, the right-wing journalist uh, who, who didn't go there to provoke or anything like that. He was just there documenting Antifa. I've seen him do it. Uh, of course, Andy, he's most well-known, I think, for exposing hate crime hoaxes, uh, especially against the LGBT community, which he himself is a part of. So the fact that he's Vietnamese, he's gay, uh, and he's a right-wing journalist makes, you know, Everyone at CNN, MSNBC, they're all uh, confused at how to how to deal with this. They want to um, they want to expose violence, but they only want to expose violent right wing extremists. Uh, they don't want to expose Antifa. I don't think they have the same motivation yeah. to do it. Well, in fact, I think they regard Antifa as the enforcement wing, the paramilitary wing of. CNN. Well, listen, Ken, I know you've got to run because you have a lot of people to meet and see. Thanks for pulling over to the side of the road and safely talking to us via Skype. I won't lie. I probably would have tried to do it while driving, but uh, that's why you're <laughs> going to live a lot longer than me. Uh, thanks for joining us and good luck out there in Portland. Thanks, Ezra. All right. There you have it. Ken Bexy on the ground in Portland, chasing down this important story. Stay with us. Uh, your, uh, some final thoughts next. Welcome back on my monologue yesterday about Canada Day. Liza writes, America and much of the world looks at Canada and thinks we've gone mad. Yeah, I, I think so, but to be candid, I'm not sure if the rest of the world spends a lot of time looking at Canada. I know, you know, the Canadian, I don't know, psychological hang-up is the world needs more Canada. That's the de facto motto of Chapters books, right? But you know that, that clip, I'm not sure if, right here, let me play it right here, that clip of where... Justin Trudeau is sitting next to President Xi of China and they won't make eye contact and Trudeau's feeling awkward and he looks over and someone goes to shake his hand but doesn't and you know it's I don't think people even think about Justin Trudeau and the one guy who didn't shake his hand at first that's Jair Bolsonaro the president of Brazil and I don't know if you recall but when he won his huge election Justin Trudeau was so petty in his remark, his press release on the subject, he refused to even say Bolsonaro's name, let alone congratulate him. Trudeau was so petty, I'll show him, I won't even mention his name in a press release. Um, so Trudeau is obsessed with other countries. I don't think Yair Bolsonaro has spent 10 seconds thinking about Trudeau. So of course, he goes, hey man, how you doing? I think he just thought, who's, this, who's the waiter or something. Uh, Stephen writes, they celebrate the day, but no longer the men. Sir Johnny MacDonald and Sir Charles Tupper, who had the vision and the guts and the strength to create Canada. Thank you both. Yeah, well, they actually tear down Sir John A. MacDonald uh, statues, and I'm sure it won't stop there. On my interview with Barbara Kay, Bruce writes, This bogus education on transgenderism is nothing less than child abuse. 
It, it really is. It, when you are planting false and disturbing facts in a child's mind, and you know, there's a phrase in law, in loco parentis, that's Latin for in the place of parents. It's the legal power that teachers have. A teacher can discipline your child, can physically move your child, can make decisions for your child, because of course they're minor children and the parents aren't there. Teachers have this power, it's called in loco parentis. And with that power comes enormous responsibility. It's a higher level of responsibility than the bank has for your money. That's called a fiduciary duty. They have to ask in your best interest. Imagine the duty that a teacher has and to take that power and that duty and to teach not just something that's false, but something that is designed to screw up a young mind. That is child abuse. And, and in short years to come, we will look back on this manic moment with contempt for those who let it happen. On Canada moving to have a hate registry, Lou writes, the Trudeau government will no doubt define hate to mean whatever they want it to mean. It's all about control and censorship in the direction of political correctness. Canadian democracy is truly in trouble. Yeah, you know, I saw a poll the other day, I haven't gone deep on it, I saw the headline, that 80% of Canadians don't trust elites. I think this is exactly what they're talking about. I think no real people in their private conversations talk in a politically correct way. I think just no one does that. That may be how the fancy people act, but even they only act that way when the camera's on. When they're at ease with family, with friends, they're just as skeptical and politically incorrect and rude as the rest of us. I think it's that scoldy, self-righteous, lording it over people that is at the heart of the hate speech battle, the social harm battle. I think that's one of the main reasons why we have contempt for our elites, especially in Canada. I point out that in those Angus Reid polls, some people don't like Justin Trudeau, but three times as many people lividly and vividly hate Trudeau as just dislike him. Like normally you would sort of, some people would like him a little, some people would dislike him a little, some would love him a lot, some would hate him a lot. It'd be like a bell curve. With Trudeau, it's not. With Trudeau, if you dislike him, you're likely to hate him because you detect that condescending BS. And we all know he's a fraud now, especially on the feminism file. Anytime he goes on about hate speech, that's just his new shtick. The same way he would accuse you of sexism while he's a sexual assaulter of Rose Knight. He'll accuse you of hate when he's full of it himself. All right, that's the show for today. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.